to the DIY Animation Show, where we get to the heart of what it means to be an independent animator. I'm Lauren Morse. And I'm Jessica Dahl. Together with our guests, we'll explore tips, tricks, the psychological, the fundamental, and above all, how to make whatever you can with whatever you've got. From the keys to the breakdowns and everything in between. The timing's right to do it yourself. Let's get rolling! To the season three premiere of the DIY Animation Show. Hooray! Yeah! Woohoo! Oh, we're so happy to have you all back. <laughs> yeah! I even rented a confetti cannon, but you guys can't see it. Oh, that sounds very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, what better way to kick off this very season with none other than animation director and experimentalist and fellow Brit, Josie Jurit. Yeah! Professionally, Jossie crafts beautiful 2D animated projects with a gorgeous handmade look to them. She specializes in PSAs and documentaries dealing with pertinent topics, interesting factoids, and she's even made some fabulous book trailers. On top of that, you can also find her in her spare time teaching animation classes for those of you who would be interested in learning from her. Yeah, they look really good. Mm -hmm. In her personal work, meanwhile, you'll find slice-of-life gifts featuring her cats, plants, and other such joyful things. We were drawn to her colourful, soulful work and enjoyed a really engaging and thoughtful conversation with her, discussing animation on a fundamental, artistic level. It's like a soothing balm for the creative soul. It's true. You just feel so good. You just feel, mm. <laughs> We first had the opportunity to speak with her in 2016, and we loved our conversation, and it's been fabulous revisiting it. She has a plethora of timeless insights that still hold up to this day, two years later. <laughs> well, today in part one of Jossie's interview, we discuss designing movement and emotion with shapes... Emphasizing narrative over animation principles. Constructing the optimal GIF. Freely using trial and error as a tool of development. Her approach to color. And the one most vital thing Jossie thinks a DIY animator needs. Ooh. <laughs> Let's roll off our sleeves and get to it. Yeah! Sleeves are rolled. <laughs> So, Jossie, when did you first feel the call of animation? Um, well, I kind of got into it just almost by mistake or just I just followed a path and it kind of ended up that way. So I never felt I definitely have to be an animator until I was already kind of studying it. But um, I went to Kingston Uni. I did a foundation course there, which was just amazing. And you got to try out all these different types of art and um, a little bit of animation, graphic design, 3D, oh. fine art and things. And then I went to Kingston. Again, I specialized in visual communication. Mm -hmm. And then from that, you got to choose between illustration and graphic design. So I chose illustration. So it kind of kept on just narrowing down 
the bits that I liked. <laughs> and so I did an illustration course, which again, I hadn't really planned to do illustration. I just thought, oh, actually, I really like that. So I did that. And then at illustration, you got to choose illustration or animation. And again, I was like, oh, you know, what? I think I'll give animation a go. I quite, <laughs> I quite like it. And then it turned out I loved it. Um, so the actual kind of path was just you know, keeping going and just seeing what I liked as I went along. Wow. Um, but definitely the art sense of it, that was always a given, you know, that I'd go and study art. That was an easy choice. But I think the kind of emotionally, the animation actually worked out really well as as a kind of career because it's this this mix of all the things that I really love, that I've kind of grown up loving, like art, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, arty child just does all the arty stuff and so that's why I wanted to go to art college but then also a lot of music in my upbringing my dad's violinist and I learned loads of instruments and I think sound is obviously a massive part of animation Mm -hmm. so that's another way that it kind of incorporated but then also I went to drama school and we did loads of performing and kind of acting dancing singing so giving a performance which is I think the other part of an animation telling a story through kind of body language that was the other way. So animation's just, you know, art and sound and performance. So actually, you know, it totally fits. Yeah, it just seemed like a perfect combination of just all yeah. of these ingredients of your childhood, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't think I realized that until I was already doing it. I was like, oh, this actually actually has everything I like in it, oh, which is so great. Cool. <laughs> wow. So cool. mm, but it definitely wasn't a kind of a conscious choice to go, oh, I'm going to be an animator until I was already there. Mm-hmm. You just knew that you wanted to do art of some sort then. Yeah, but I mean, if I hadn't done the foundation, I probably would have either applied for fine art or fashion, which would, you know, would have been so wrong. Mm. Would have been I don't think that would have been my, you know, career of of choice at all, but I might have done it. Yeah. I would have been a fashion designer that wow. hated what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when it came to university, like you, I was like, I'm not really too sure I could I could go either direction, illustration or animation. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, I think it was to Bournemouth, and I asked one of the third years there, I was like, how do you know whether you want to do illustration or animation? And he was like, if you're kind of content drawing something and you're happy for it to stay stationary, mm-hmm. you know, that's you kind of feel like you've achieved it, the end goal then probably you're an illustrator. But if you've drawn it and then you're imagining it moving and you want to see it uh, have a life of its own, then you're probably an animator. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm the <laughs> second one. I'm the animator. So, yeah, I took a punt on animation and I love it. Yeah, exactly the same thing, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> it was fun. I remember my first one that I did was um, I chose something overly complex. You had to use an object that you found for a bit of stop motion. Oh. And I found one of those fishing flies oh yeah you know the kind of little but it was actually in the shape of a fish not a kind of feathery thing Mm. Uh and I did a little stop motion I kind of made a background that looked a bit like the sea and then it was a fish that was traveling along and then I went into a a kind of cave and then it was 2d and it was an a fish jazz club underwater (laughs) and there was all these like (laughs) dancing octopus and octopi and um different fish playing instruments and but again I don't know why I chose something so complex wow but it was the first time that I was like I've just drawn so many frames but I still like it yeah (laughs) I don't I don't hate it yet but I did think after that first week of doing it it was the first time I'd ever kind of thought of movement in frames and how many frames movement takes Mm. and for a few days after if I reached to pick up a glass I'd be thinking oh it's seven frames or (laughs) if I (laughs) walked to the side of the room I'd be that's four seconds or whatever. I couldn't I couldn't stop getting frame counting out of my head. Yeah. But thankfully that went. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I'm still counting every frame. 
I put my pencil down. Three frames. <laughs> bounces. Eight frames. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> when we uh, when we first saw your gifts on, uh, I think it was on your Tumblr first. Mm. We were just immediately enchanted by them. They're oh. so charming. Oh, thank you. <laughs> just both in like the little stories they have, but also in their look because they've got such a beautiful, fresh looseness to them. Did anything in particular influence you artistically as you were kind of finding your visual voice in your animation and illustration? Yeah, I think um, I wouldn't necessarily say that this comes through in my work, but people like uh, Matisse and Raoul Duffy and Gauguin, those kind of really colourful, bright artists that had a really painterly intuitive kind of quality mm. I think art like that I've always been really drawn to and again with Matisse's cutouts and things the way something's communicated so simply just through a shape it's you just go with how it feels yeah I think that childlike quality is something I've always aspired to and always been really drawn to but I don't know that it does necessarily look similar or my work doesn't necessarily look similar to it i i think it totally harkens to yeah. all of what you just said though. yeah yeah you kind of have that vibe in there of it mm -hmm. well that's what i'm going for so thank you <laughs> way, to, yeah. way to go jossie <laughs> but for real like your work is so uh it's so expressive and just through the color and the shapes and just the bold movements and design it's just it's absolutely it's beautiful beautiful work were you always influenced by matisse and gogan like since you were a kid or again is that yeah. just like something yeah no, absolutely i've i've always really loved their work i think the further i've got along with education and design direction actually i've just been trying to become more loose the whole way through mm -hmm. in i've always been drawn to artists like that but then in school learning art you know it was a lot of really realistic painting copying people really accurately and i enjoyed doing that and it took me quite a while to actually have a looseness and I feel like I'm just continuously going, oh, it's not loose enough. It's too stiff and held back. So I suppose that's why I find it interesting that it might be seen like that. But that's definitely the root. But um, yeah, I don't know why. It's just something quite soulful, I think, about really handmade looking work mm. that's always drawn me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it seems very pure, kind of like stripping away from like maybe mm. unnecessary details. And like it's just trying to get down to the soul and the heart of maybe what the thing purely is you know mm. but then I think also as you you know I'm on Tumblr and I follow a load of people on Tumblr and I scroll through all these things and watch people on Vimeo and Motionographer and all these places so those two are constantly influencing my style like trying not to copy anyone <laughs> <laughs> you know you see someone that draws shoulders in a really great way you're like oh I just I'll just have a go I'll just see if I can maybe draw like that and then that influences or oh, you see how someone draws trainers I couldn't draw trainers and then I saw someone do them they're really triangular and I thought oh maybe I could actually draw trainers and that <laughs> then enabled me to just draw a quick shape uh -huh. and, do, and then and then I could build on that so I suppose there are my kind of early artistic influences but I'm also just seeing new work by people all the time and it's definitely being absorbed and hopefully not coming out as a copy, but <laughs> but something gets in the brain. Yeah. Uh, I feel kind of silly mm. asking this one. Um, what's a trainer? That you're <laughs> Sneaker? <laughs> Sneaker? Oh, sneaker. Oh, thank you. Okay. Thank, thank you. I'm still, because we'll, we'll call them like training shoes sometimes, but I think you can also call them trainers. I just, I don't. So... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, how did the two sides of your split degree of illustration and animation kind of influence each other? So the breakdown of the course was that you do 
the foundation obviously for one year and then you do the three years the first year is a little bit of both mm. but then in the second and third year you specialize in one. Oh, okay so I specialize in animation so from the second third year on I was doing solely animation but it was it was really a course in animation direction and kind of comes hand in hand with illustration when you're thinking about directing and style and things like that so mm. I suppose being around lots of illustrators and a course that's so focused on directing and kind of composition and all of those visual elements I think that definitely influenced me to push the aesthetics a bit harder although the tutors would always be saying don't think about the style it's not about that uh, but I did all the time because I can't resist because you know <laughs> but um yeah I think and maybe having done the first year which was illustration that was when we were still developing how we wanted to work and the techniques and I mean you just continue to develop that but mm. I'm sure that it made it made me far more interested in a piece of work as a whole rather than just a basic character doing an action mm-hmm. you know how could I tell a story with visuals and through kind of bold statements or through just simple imagery rather than what can I animate. Mm-hmm. So along with that, so if you particularly focused on like the animation aspect, you know, you had the illustration aspect that was informing everything. Mm. As you were learning more about animation in like those mm-hmm. last couple of years, were you still actively trying to learn about illustration at the same time? Or were you comfortable with where you were? So you were just like, okay, I'm going to experiment now and just kind of do my own thing and see where it takes mm-hmm. me. I mean, I definitely don't think I was comfortable with my illustration techniques or style or medium or anything. I I think maybe I'll never be fully comfortable with that. And I definitely still feel like I'm just developing it and changing it. But um, I think because my animation focus, it was far more on direction than on character animation. Mm -hmm. I think the style or the illustration and the communication was inevitably a really big part of what I was doing maybe more than trying to get that style together. We actually didn't have a lot of lessons in character animation. We learned the software and got taught a range of different programs to use. Mm-hmm. But we never ever sat down and, you know, got taught, here's how to do a walk cycle. Actually, no, that's not true. Once we had a walk cycle lesson. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really get taught in character animation. It was more direction anyway. So I feel I wasn't thinking so much about how to be a better animator as a kind of director and mover of things yeah that's um, that's so interesting like that's uh again like that's so opposite of uh my experience in a way because I remember mm. like ours was it was one of those things where again like you had courses where you could specialize you could take character animation classes and all of that mm. but even with that it still felt like there was more of an emphasis on how to animate a character or do effects or something like, like that and less actually on directing and storyboard like yeah, yeah. so it's, it's just so different from my experience so with the emphasis on ideas was there anything that you learned then that sort of informs you now on kind of like what a good solid idea is or like or how to communicate it well um definitely that I always try really hard to think about what I'm communicating and try and push my ideas and come up with more ideas than I want to before I start the kind of visual process and just the kind of continuous questioning of what's my overriding theme and what am I trying to say with this 
is something that I keep on coming back to regularly. I'm I quite, think that's a really good tip. Mm, what are to, you purely wanting to communicate? Good yeah. To see with this thing. And it's very easy to get, I'm sure you guys will know, when you come up with an idea for a story or something and you come up with a nice visual idea or a, a concept, <laughs> it's really hard to then put it into a narrative that actually says anything. Or you can come up with a narrative and then you go, oh, well, what? what's the point of this there's no reason that I have this so you just it does make fall, it harder <laughs> it does you just sort of fall in love with kind of like what's yeah. happening and you're like ah oh, sweet I love this scene so much <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense or tell anyone anything and you just have to keep on killing them <laughs> <laughs> you gotta kill your darlings unfortunately yeah yeah I guess it's a case of um yeah once you kind of figure out what it is that you're wanting to say it's then kind of looking at what you got and thinking if I do this does it take me closer to what I'm trying to say or does it take me further away from it Mm, yeah exactly yeah it's one of those I suppose a process of elimination I guess if you're really kind of Mm. wanting to hone in on that thing I mean I think there's definitely times when it's fun to just do whatever yeah because I think we need those times for sure but yeah when when you've got a real clear idea of something that you're really wanting to say and really communicate it is that kind of trying to like dig through it and seeing how close you're getting to it and yeah and and also yeah cutting back and always shortening things and trying to get the essence of it mm. rather than a big load of loose story and time filling yeah which I can't bear and also you know you have to animate more the shorter the better it's just <laughs> easier for everyone um true that mm-hmm. yeah oh it, it reminds me of um there's this saying that you have to you have to write a long letter so that you can write a short one and I think it's that idea of putting a lot on there and then only when you've kind of got it all on the plate mm. can you start taking things away and really mm. getting to the heart of what you actually wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, th- I do think there's a lot of um, worrying about what you're doing before you can actually do it. I mean, I find it less with animation now. I think the more you learn about something and the more educated you are in a really specific area, the easier it is to get past the worries or you know you can kind of be really aware of what you're doing and mm. and know oh well this is pointless and but any any of my kind of other hobbies um oh <laughs> well, that was a cat um any, <laughs> he knocked something he's sleeping on my desk and he knocked something off onto the bin um <laughs> I used to write a lot of music and I really love doing it but these days I'm so kind of conscious of if I do it, it's not going to be good enough or what style do I want it to be in or how do I want it to sound or who's it going to be for? What am I saying? But I don't that I don't know how to get past that. And that becomes a huge block. Whereas I think with animation, because I've studied it and I've had people going, no, you're doing this and here's how to not do that. And here's why you shouldn't be doing that, that you become a bit more aware you know, of what you're actually doing. And then you're able to create something that's not polluted by distractions or things you just want to put in there for the sake of it mm-hmm. mm. if that makes sense no it does yeah. but actually just talking about how stripping away elements and just communicating what you purely need to communicate and getting to the essence of the thing I think your work really encapsulate that it's really beautiful and it captures that economical simplicity and I guess how do you personally decide what elements you can strip away from a thing and still effectively communicate its essence like is there a certain series of questions that you ask yourself as you're working on something or is it really just kind of like as you're working on you're like yeah this feels right (laughs) (laughs) um I think a lot of it is it's just 
to do with do I want to draw this loads of times? <laughs> you know, <laughs> do I want to draw that on every frame? <laughs> that's that's definitely a good way of thinking. How can I cut it back? Because every extra line is going to be a whole lot more animation. Uh-huh. Um, and also sometimes it's about okay, if, if I draw that, does it look any good? You know, sometimes it makes the things a bit harder to actually. Or, or I, I could draw a face and I can't figure out how to draw the mouth or I can't figure out how to draw the nose. Maybe it's easier if I just don't draw it. It's like the gifts that I've done of the cats, which I've been doing a lot recently. We got our cats about six months ago and, and I just wanted to animate them because they're so funny to watch and, and the movement of them is so interesting. But I started off, the first one I tried to do, I just couldn't because cats are so hard to draw let alone animate there's so many bits and their muscles are so complex that I couldn't figure it out and it wasn't until I did a really quick curvy drawing where they just had two points for ears and a kind of blobby body that I realized actually that was so simple and it did look like a cat just about and it was way easier to animate I think that was a trial and error of um it's going to be too complex if I'm trying to draw it a realistic cat and it's probably not going to look very good and so it won't have any character or life in it it will just be a series of bad drawings you know <laughs> in a row but but if I if I do a kind of triangle with some eyes then I can suddenly focus on the head tilt or the way they flop so I'm doing another character cat little gif at the moment in my spare minutes. Please do uh, tell. <laughs> uh, well, so it's gonna be of it's gonna be of my cat. He likes to sleep next to my desk on a box which isn't big enough for him, and so he often ends up the sleeper he gets the more he's kind of flopping over the side of it. So it's gonna be him on a box stretching and then flopping. And I've just spent quite a bit of time. I did a rough, but there was something that wasn't right. And I really wanted to get the way that cats are so curvy and elegant. They just have these kind of beautiful lines. And so I'm trying to just animate first, just the basically the line of the head and the spine and the tail as one big line and see, and because with a stretch, it kind of covers all the different points of being really straight and really curved and flexing, trying to get that line perfect as a basis and then just simply do you know the legs as a line to really see if I can get those simple shapes right first Mm. so that's another way of of cutting it back and trying to focus on the core elements that make a cat a cat Mm -hmm. yeah oh man that sounds so exciting it's a fun challenge I really want to see how it turns out yeah it's a it's been really interesting and hopefully it will (laughs) hopefully it will look good but (laughs) I think it almost it's also it kind of harks back a little bit more to some of the the Disney principles of focusing on arcs and things like that Mm. which is something I don't really do ever really yeah well mainly because I never really got trained how to do it so I always get a bit confused and also I don't want anything to generally I don't want things to look cartoony and I find if I mm-hmm. if I just do them quickly it doesn't look as cartoony it's not much thought really <laughs> it's interesting you say that because we, we were watching them and one of the things I was like oh her arcs are really nice mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe it's because you haven't specifically thought about them they just feel quite natural and yeah just different to sort of typically cartoony arc it feels pretty intuitive actually yeah yeah it's interesting yeah I mean I suppose the more animation you do you kind of pick up on what works and what doesn't work don't you but Mm. I think yeah I I don't love really um cartoony character animation 
I mean, can be amazing, but sometimes I just think I'd rather see something a bit more naturalistic or a bit more weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that's kind of a reason that I generally don't think in... I mean, I've read, you know, the Richard Williams survival kit and I do use it all the time for water cycles and things, but Mm. I, I almost don't know how to apply those things but yeah, I'm, I am going to explore it with this new cat stretch gift and see, I don't know, will it make my work more cartoony or <laughs> more delicate? I don't know. Yeah. I'll, it'll be interesting to see how it looks in comparison. That's so cool. Oh, that's so exciting. Like, I oh, I think it's really important. I think I mentioned earlier about just having that opportunity to experiment. And it's yeah. so cool that, that you really are experimenting. It's mm. like... I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going <laughs> to give it a go and see what it looks like. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. I think, well, I think, you know, the more the more freelancing you do on, or just the more work that you're doing on different projects, as you'll know, you often spend quite a lot of time working on something which either might not be to your taste or it might be in a style that isn't a style you'd really love to be working on or someone else's project where you're doing something really specific and so... Sometimes I think to get excited about animation again, it's really good to then do a little a little test of something that you'll actually be really excited to show people or really try and improve your skills. That that always makes me feel more positive if I'm feeling in a bit of a lull. Mm-hmm. I think creating something nice makes me feel more excited about all the future projects that I could do. Mm. And also, I mean, animation, it's, it's a craft, isn't it? It's a, a skill that you've you just kind of need to keep working on which is so cool to be able to have a job that is a craft and you can just practice it and then get better and I mean it's not that much more there is loads to it but <laughs> if you just like, if you just like keep on practicing you're just gonna get better right yeah 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 it's I don't think there's that many jobs where you can sit down and go I can guarantee that doing this for a few hours will help my job in the long run that's true that is so true we're really lucky uh-huh. Uh, no, it's good, isn't it? That's really good. It's really good. Indulge mm. in experiments, everybody. Yeah. Just go and do it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I want to do one right now yeah. so much, yeah. but I don't I think I can animate and concentrate on interviews <laughs> at the same time. We're going to start up an animation party like right now. I'd be like, all right, let's, yeah. let's, let's get going. <laughs> Just a few hours of silence. And <laughs> yeah. This is the rest of our interview with Jossie. Just three hours of complete silence and, oh, no, control that. <laughs> Occasionally yeah, screen share and be like, hey, what do you guys think of this? Ah, oh, nice, nice. Like, <laughs> I, would definitely, I would definitely recommend cat animation. It's a really fun... Oh, only if you like cats. If you don't like cats or no cats, it's not going to be fun at all. But <laughs> if you like cats, they're so they're just so good to watch, and they're so silly, and there's so much character in them. Mm. It's been really fun to try and get a lot of personality into really simple movements. Uh huh. Yeah. Did, did you discover anything in particular with those experiments with the um, uh, cat gifts in particular? I, d- I definitely discovered that I don't have to put all the information in, which obviously is something I'm kind of always thinking about a bit, but. Even my general standard of trying to pare things down with the cats, I actually realised I can put hardly anything in and you can still say a lot. That was really interesting for me because whilst I keep things fairly loose, I am always tempted to put in more detail or add in more, but you don't have to, I think. And also just I learned how to animate cats as well, (laughs) (laughs) which is, you know, comes in handy. Uh Um, yeah, I thought I tried to approach animation in a slightly different way with all of these and think about them as blobs. 
did you ever I don't know in education get taught uh, uh, I don't know if it's a an actual thing or if it's something my tutor talked about a lot but um the square block challenge and maybe what's you the, just yeah I don't really know what it is because I don't know if it's a thing but where you just <laughs> no, you're good, you're good. where you she always told us to do this but no one ever did it and then when we left uni we realized oh we should have done that when we so <laughs> it's, um, isn't that the way <laughs> I know <laughs> but it's where you have like a, a, just a, a black square or and a black triangle and a black circle and you you kind of make compositions out of them and then think about how they could be animated into other positions and um Every now and then we'd have a little test where we'd have to draw into a box. We'd have maybe three triangles and we'd have to, in a 16-9 frame, put the three triangles in a way that represented tension or fear or being content. And then like that. Yeah, it was really interesting, but we did not appreciate it at all. Um, <laughs> time. <laughs> but then I think her idea was that I'm sure this is a thing, not just the tutors, but the idea was that then you could try animating between two of those, which we just never bothered to do. But now I think how interesting and the little cat video that I've done where they're running through up a seat and down a palm tree and over a table. I don't know oh, if you guys that have seen that. Oh, yeah. Such a cute one. It's kind of like an office space a little bit. And yeah. Oh, I love that exactly. one. That one, I definitely was thinking about imagining the end shapes and the beginning shapes and trying to maybe go back a little bit to that triangle challenge oh. thing. Ooh. Yeah, I wish I'd, done, I'd actually done those in the uni. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I've I've never heard of that before, but it sounds like a really, really good mm. exercise to do. Yeah, and it makes you think about composition, mm. which is so easy to forget about composition when you're getting into scene design, you know, and designing nice objects, which is really fun. And the character design, I often get so caught up in those things that I realised that if I stepped back, the image didn't really have any power you know, just the composition didn't do anything, didn't add anything. Mm. And it's definitely a good way of actually going back and focusing on those basic shapes, which are so important. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's so good. I, w- I want to try that right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I vaguely, I don't, honestly, I can't remember if we ever did that exercise in any of my classes. We very mm-hmm. well could have done it for like an exercise and I yeah. just can't remember but I think it sounds familiar is what I'm trying to say but like I think it happened like freshman year for either one of my friends yeah. or me and like and I saw it on like a worksheet of theirs like hey do this and then like that was like all you just ever. looked past it and just yeah yeah like that and that's I saw it. it and just thought eh. I was I was always so excited about the doing I was like oh I want to go and do a proper full animation with a musical score and loads of voiceovers and all and I never thought oh great animating some triangles <laughs> but <laughs> but now I'm like oh I just want to animate some triangles <laughs> that sounds so fun <laughs> But yeah, just in regards to uh, like the composition and the shapes, that, that's all just really interesting. And that actually touches on something that uh, Lauren and I have been very excited to ask you about. And mm. that's the topic of style. Style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the thing that I was always told not to think about. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like you're not allowed to think about style. You're not allowed to have a style. Mm-hmm. It's the last thing. But, yeah, but right? it's important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's super cool. You were saying earlier about how people would be saying, oh, you don't want to worry about style just yet. And mm. that was one of the things that you actually really, really love working with. And it's the style that you've developed so far. It's such an appealing 
change of pace next to, I guess, the visual look that typically comes out of the big animation studios. Mm. It's like a breath of fresh air. It's really nice to see. Mm. And so, yeah, it seemed to me and Jess, obviously, before we started talking with you, that design must be a leading factor in your work. By the sounds of it, it really is. Yeah. But when I admit it, I feel like um, I feel like getting too excited about the style is the naughty, self-indulgent showing off the bit that you're you just want to do what you want to do and looks nice for you and but it is important for me and because I can tell a story and I can think about the composition and the structure and the pacing and those things are so important Mm. but I don't love it as much if I don't like the way it looks Mm -hmm. but then again something beautiful without any of the other elements isn't going to be interesting either yeah yeah mm-hmm. no completely how do you work do you find that mm. you think of a style a lot of times and then you're like oh no I must think of what I want to communicate with this style that I want to explore or is it the other way around where you have something that you want to say because again uh, you talked about the importance of needing to communicate something with work so do you kind of let that bit lead your work mm. or do you find that the visual aesthetic still leads essentially for you and then I definitely think the successful pieces that I do are when the message leads the style. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I've done a series of little quick sketches of moments, just really brief illustrations of usually me uh, in a situation that just happened, which was a really new kind of way of working for me. They're really quick little drawings and just trying to capture something, a moment in time without thinking about how it looks. Yeah, really fast with that. What is it about those moments that move you to capture them? So the first one that I did was just a funny, it was just a funny moment. It was, my boyfriend was sat at his desk uh-huh. playing video games. And I went I went up and I was sitting behind his chair, hugging him. What? I'm going like, love me. It'd be Aww. nice to pay attention. <laughs> and then, and then I know I have to edit this out, but then he's just going, oh, <laughs> like, he's getting really cross about <laughs> about his video game oh. and I just thought that the the combination of the two of our emotions at that moment put me <laughs> so hard to get attention that like moment just really amused me so I went and sat down and drew it really quickly uh-huh. I've never really done anything like that before but actually I was so pleased with how it turned out because it did just I think just capture that brief moment sometimes I sit down and I try and you know, oh, I'm going to design a person. I'm going to design this thing. I'm going to draw this. Usually I'd want to draw people. And if I don't have any motivation and any reason, I really struggle to do something that works. Mm -hmm. That really explains a lot. Yeah, it really just seems like you need to be almost not necessarily emotionally led by something, but you just, you need to be, it's like you need to be involved in it in some way, whether it's an opinion, emotion. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, if it means something to you, then you'll kind of automatically have something to express, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it makes it a lot easier. I do need to be thinking, why am I drawing this person? Who are they? If I'm just starting drawing some eyes and hoping a great figure is going to come out of it, it, it won't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've spoken about the physical aspects of your work, the actual visual designs, how they look. 
when it comes to the animation itself in your GIFs and things, it's got this really wonderful flow and pacing to it. Like I was saying earlier about the arcs that you mm. didn't really intend to be there. <laughs> <laughs> the squash and stretch, which may be of the same source. <laughs> but it's, the motion itself has really been given a lot of consideration. How do you approach designing movement in your animation? It's mm, a tricky one. So, I mean, I, I use the um, keyframe technique. I do pose to pose. So I think that gives you a chance to, you know, you can think about the section or that particular piece of movement. You can think about the kind of highs and lows of it and the wide points of a character and, the, you know, the shapes before you've actually done a lot of the hard work. So, I, you know, I try and get an essence just from the actual poses. But generally, um, with characters, I'm aiming for a sense of naturalism. I don't want most of my characters to be gimmicky. Although the cats are a little bit silly, but that's cats. So <laughs> they're, they're cats. But, um, <laughs> they have to be like that. There's no choice. But with humans, I'm definitely trying to be fairly... Yeah, fairly natural. So a lot of it is just trying to figure out what would it look like if it really happened. I don't don't think there's a huge amount of... There's a thought, but I'm not necessarily having some kind of intellectual overriding decision-making as it's happening. But that being said, the great thing with doing pose-to-pose and just doing keyframes as you go along and then filling it in after is that you get a really good sense of how the whole thing's going to look before it's animated. Mm. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Do you thumbnail it out before you start actually drawing the keyframes or would you just dive straight in with the keys? I, one time, (laughs) I had to work on animation, one time I did. I was doing, I was working on a film last year and I had, I think it was a minute long sequence. I think it was a minute of one man crawling along a table eating and I had no idea how to approach that because, I mean, the amount of keyframes in that were just mm. insane. Um, so that I did actually, you know, in a sketchbook, thumbnail the whole thing and, and try and think about it that way. But usually I do really horribly rough keyframes, <laughs> which is really quick sketches, which usually actually have more character than the, the end result. Mm, that's always the way, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you get past that. I'm sure there's some technique. Well, I haven't got that yet. I usually do really, yeah, really, really simple keyframes of the whole thing to try and get an idea because otherwise I have no idea how I'm even going to draw the keyframes until I've figured out or how they're actually going to move. Mm. And then when I've got that right, then I'll do more accurate keyframes but even then they'll usually be slightly rough and then do the more accurate keyframes and then in betweens and then clean up or sometimes I don't really need to clean it up because it's quite a loose style anyway Mm -hmm. um, which is great. (laughs) I wanted to ask you're pretty prolific in the gif department you've got so many of them and I super love gifs and your gifs are amazing. What is it about the gif that you love? Mm. I suppose with GIFs, they can, they're so short. You know, you can't make them too long mm. um, because the file can't really support it and they won't play properly. So it's just a really good way to do a really brief experiment, but then it still be showable. You know, I think one of the reasons I started doing them was that I wasn't really doing, at that point in time, I wasn't doing work that reflected the style and the technique and the content that I wanted to be doing and so I thought well if I make a five second gif then 
I've got something to show that is exactly what I would like to be doing more of. Mm. So I just think it's a really good way of of doing bits of work exactly how you want to, to do them. And then also have a reason to show people. Also, they're really they're really kind of spreadable on the internet. They work really well. You can put them in so many different websites and, and people share them. They're kind of accessible to everyone. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. in that sense, it's really good. And you can have them on Instagram and Tumblr and they get a lot more attention, I find, than still images as well. So then they spread your work a bit further. So more people are going to see it. But yeah, I just I love having a short timeline on something. It doesn't have to be a four minute film, but it can still be something that I'm proud of. And it doesn't take as long as well. <laughs> yeah, totally. that's always a bonus. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of GIFs, actually. And also you don't have to do sound. Mm. Sound is so important. And so that slightly longer animation of cats that I did where they're running across the sofa and things that is a video and it doesn't have sounds and I think it just needs sound desperately but with a gif you don't expect any sound and so you're not missing it in the same way yeah you're right Uh, which really helps because I'm not a sound designer and so (laughs) I could try but I don't really think it's going to be the best thing in the world and that gets rid of that need yeah something that we're really curious to ask you about is basically about your choice of color your sense of atmosphere in your work is just it's very immersive and expressive it's so strong and just lovely to look at. We were wondering, is there a way that you approach color in your work? Or again, is it just kind of mm. like you go with your gut? <laughs> I mean, a little bit of intuition. Yeah. But, um, but at the same time, I do. I Sometimes I try and make a color palette before I start, which never really works out. I usually end up going away from it. But uh-huh. I sat down one day and just chose random colors and then tried to make you know five or six color different palettes that worked within that and I just I really got into it it was actually really fun and I did more and more and I definitely think just thinking about colors for a few hours was kind of interesting and the next time I worked on something I thought oh maybe that those two colors that I liked the other day that went together I can try and put them together although it was interesting because I I did all these little color palettes and then I kind of made it a bit neater and put it in a line so I could kind of have a look at them. And there was a handful of them. I'd done them all just, you know, with the picking from the color wheel. But there was two that were almost identical colors that I'd chosen. And there was about five or six colors. Uh And for the two different palettes, I'd chosen almost identical tones, you know, just quite a few. So obviously something... I must have seen that somewhere or that was something I was just drawn to. But I thought it was weird that I had done that without realising. Wow. But I I think quite a lot of my work can be quite dark. So, you know, the backgrounds can be quite dark. So I've been trying to push away from that a little bit. Um, uh-huh. Or I have quite muted backgrounds sometimes, which I'm also trying to just see if I can be a bit more colourful. I think it's just a lot of experimenting, really. Yeah. Mm. Like when you're choosing your colours and you said that you're going off of the colour wheel, do you mean that you're initially starting with oh my gosh what are they called you know like trichromatic and analogous color um no no that i was you know the color wheel that just has the white in the middle and then all the colors around the edge and yeah it has all the scale of colors i was i was just using that so that i didn't use pre-chosen colors that i've worked with before oh okay that that being said i do you know i save colors for projects and so i do end up going back to a load of the same colors but Uh they're not I mean, there's a lot of them now, so they're not really very curated. They're just random murky colours. And also there's that button that if you've got the eyedropper tool on Photoshop and there's one button that if you press it by mistake, <laughs> it makes a swatch. Oh, uh, so, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I haven't so discovered annoying. this mystery button yet. Oh, I do it by accident all the time. So loads of my swatches are just accidental swatches. 
So, I mean, I, yeah, I think the colours fairly, to an extent, I make it up as I go, but sometimes I really do put effort into actually trying to push my different choices. That's so reassuring to hear, actually, because I don't know, I, I tend to stray away from colour. Be- I, I hate to say it a little bit out of fear because mm-hmm. it just seems to me that like, it's always a, like you need to choose the colour scheme that you're going with. And it feels very, very technical in the sense of like it, like this vast world. So it's really, again, I feel like I've said this so much throughout this interview, but your work is gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's really nice to hear that um, sort of intuitively going with what you think looks nice Mm -hmm. and also like and then also like seeing like yeah what looks appealing next to each other I'm sure but Mm -hmm. like I don't know that's super reassuring to hear just on a personal (laughs) level (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's definitely kind of just you know keeping on trying things is the way that I've developed anything really it's um it doesn't always work out but you get there at some point (laughs) yeah yeah I think that's that's really lovely to hear actually because I think so often we feel like Either there's no time to just try stuff or mm. you, you know, you have to be seen to get it right yeah. just straight away. And actually to have, you know, feel like you have that kind of space and that almost, I don't want to say permission, mm. but just just kind of allowing that that sort of trial and error just because, you know, kind of going yeah. with your gut, seeing how it turns out, just kind of following your heart with it, I suppose. And especially not specifically to show people or not to put it online just Mm -hmm. sometimes doing it purely for the fun of it yeah it really because that's when you're free and you don't feel pressure to create something beautiful yes yeah that is super true Mm. oh that's super good yeah Mm. that being said too i've got to ask what are uh what are some of your favorite things about diy animation hmm i think i think what i like about animation is that it's it is so expressive and it doesn't have any rules of what you can and can't create, what can and can't happen. You know, you literally have the choice of absolutely anything, any colour, any content. And so I feel like it doesn't matter what you're trying to say because you can say it. I think it's just such a great way of communicating stuff. And uh-huh. also it's relatable in a way that live action sometimes can't be because, you know, if you have a person doing something a real person you automatically have feelings towards that person in some some way whether it's that you like them or you dislike them or you find something about them annoying or you find them attractive whereas with animation I think people are can be able to relate because they're not a real person so there's, there's no kind of going oh but how does that person relate to me it's actually I can kind of become the mindset of that character for a bit mm-hmm. and also it's such a creative fun thing to do it, it's crafty and artistic and I don't think there's that many chances to do that normally unless you are an animator but you know it's such a great pastime Mm. which makes me very happy to do it as a full-time thing (laughs) (laughs) totally totally with that oh my gosh Mm. animation is one of those things that I wish everybody in the world had the option to at least like try it out or something I just I don't know just like you guys you can totally animate if you want to it's fun (laughs) yeah it is fun Mm -hmm. and I think also I don't people kind of ask oh don't you get really bored I think that's the main concern that people who haven't animated yeah but actually it is therapeutic I find Mm -hmm. and it 
you really feel like you've achieved something once you've got something that was a drawing and now it's alive. I mean, it's it's such a good feeling. and It doesn't take very much. You don't need to spend a year doing something. You can spend a few evenings mm. and have like a gift, you know, something really simple. And actually you have brought something to life in a sense. Yeah. Which is just really exciting. It's kind of a, this is kind of cheesy, but it's like, it's, it's very magical in a way, actually. Mm. Yeah. It is. Right. It right. is totally. I find what's really magical, though, is watching animated characters drawing or making things <laughs> yes so you know like when they're writing or that is something about that that is so satisfying i haven't figured out why i don't know i think like have you seen kiki's delivery service by any chance yes okay that's like a go-to of i actually have it next to me right now that's one of my favorite movies just mm. again i think it's, it's a really good like metaphor for finding yourself artistically and also just individually like for mm. one but also um i forget her name but again the artist character in there and when she's first introduced and she's sketching a crow on her roof with charcoal and it's like yeah. and it's just detailed enough and it's and i think something that i really like in that too is that it's not necessarily in the show's style it looks like a, a kind mm. of like a realistic crow if it were realistic in that world and it's just I don't know, like, there's something about that that's just really cool, I guess, like, with how they've defined, like, how a character can see other things in their world, I guess. They become that much more real in a way. Yeah. 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 Maybe that is it, that they're able to make something, and so that's like a new kind of dimension for that character. They're not only alive, but then they can create. Mm. Oh, that's so cool. It makes my brain hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so meta. <laughs> Play the Inception, like, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Anyways, Jossie, could you walk us through how you make one of your GIFs or one of your animations? Mm -hmm. I think to make a GIF, first I kind of have to have a vague idea of what I'm going to be animating. So if it's a cat GIF, then, you know, I've got the basic idea. Do I want to do the cat stretching, cat jumping, or am I doing a person doing something? So the basic knowledge. With the GIFs that I do, the first stage is a really rough animation really really quick to get the general gestures in uh-huh. and then as I refine it and as I refine it that's when I kind of choose the aesthetic oh, okay but whereas when I'm doing a project or a full animation it's more kind of a lot of time on the ideas and then thinking about the aesthetic a little bit along with that because I find that often informs you know some of the compositional decisions and things like that mm-hmm. and then a storyboard animatic really rough and then the kind of aesthetic doesn't come back again till quite near the end when I'm doing the cleanup so I suppose gifts it's far more quick and maybe intuitive and just kind of go along with it and create it as it goes whereas an actual project is more considered and practiced before I then you know make the storyboard and then the animatic which I rework quite a lot and then just try and actually animate it which is the most time consuming bit that was um, really nice. Sorry, I'm totally distracted. I have a cat climbing on me again. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're totally good. S- stay still. <laughs> Can I be part of the interview? What you talking about? What you stuff? Now she's eating my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> she's never normally that this interested in me, but obviously because I'm not giving her attention. Uh, it's funny. So our final question to you, Jossie, is: mm-hmm. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> What's the one most vital thing you think a DIY animator should have? Mm. I think, I think excitement. I think being excited about what you're going to produce, even if it's just something really simple, but not to feel 
judgmental of yourself or worried about how it's going to be but just feel excited to kind of be experimenting and to be producing something I think that's the best way to get through it because animation can be a little a little tiring because it is slow but if you kind of approach it with positive like I'm going to do this it's going to be fun it's going to be a good experiment I'm going to try it out I think that will kind of keep you going through the less desirable sides of it I think that is my answer that is a brilliant response (laughs) is that a good one (laughs) yeah oh my goodness there was that's super lovely I love it I just feel happy (laughs) like that was was lovely (laughs) yeah excitement is a big one Mm. you have to be enjoying it yeah you really do and find ways to enjoy it as well I think I think that's why you keep on testing different things and trying out new stuff because it is slow and time consuming and if you are feeling sad about it it's going to be miserable for months when you're doing the same thing every day you know but if you're if you find positivity in it then it can be really exciting and really fun and great yeah mm-hmm. and it makes it new again in a way like if you can find a way to be not even yeah like, yeah if you're just able to be excited it's like you get to look at it with fresh eyes and kind of a fresh heart each time yeah, yeah. it's hard to be positive about something you're doing all the time or even something when you're learning it something that isn't quite where you want it to be it's really hard to feel great about it but there's no point in doing it otherwise you know if you're not going to be happy whilst you're doing it especially if you're going to have a job in it as well Mm, if you're going to be sulky and miserable the whole time which we all are sometimes Uh, (laughs) but uh, I definitely don't sit down every morning with a beaming smile on my face um, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is the illusion I really think that's what a lot of people think Mm, about it's like how I think most people feel with writers at least I do I imagine it to be the coziest funnest job and you just in a nice cafe and a warm jumper and write away with a nice coffee but it's probably really stressful really annoying really boring sometimes Mm -hmm. but I feel like animation is is another one where people think it's fun all the time and it's not because you're working on cartoons right and cartoons are only fun and only so exciting and But no, but for real though, it's like we're we're all human, so it's not like everything can be like 100% the best thing ever all the time, or yeah. else that'll burn out a person so fast. <laughs> On those mornings where like you're feeling kind of sulkier, or not even not even sulky, mm-hmm. if you're just feeling kind of like meh, do you have ways that you cultivate excitement at all? Or I think sometimes just take a moment, step back, and kind of go, maybe I don't want to do this bit of this project right now, but actually that's still a pretty good thing to be doing with my day. There could be a lot of other things that I don't want to be doing right now and I'm still getting to do that. So that's, you know, I try and change my attitude if I'm feeling, because that, that's ultimately it is my attitude that is the problem in those circumstances. So trying to find other ways. But sometimes also it's just like, I work from home a lot and it can be lonely and a bit, you know, go a bit stir crazy. So I do actually make an effort to go to the local cafe and get a coffee and come back with it. Things like that, which are really simple pleasures, but actually make a little change. And I always think a coffee from a cafe is always a treat. Yeah, I don't know, even it's true. how many times I get it, it's always a little treat. So just doing things like that actually keeps me a little bit happier and makes me feel a bit more in control and just trying to see something positive in what I'm doing. It doesn't always work, but... <laughs> 
but I try. <laughs> no, but like that that effort is like exactly what's important with that though. And yep. and dude, that is so true. Like the coffee comment, mm. like yep. yeah, you just feel like you're getting something special when you go. You like, do, don't you? You do. You do. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. I, it's just nice though. Like for me, like I'll even just go through like uh, the drive-through sometimes at a Starbucks, like a small cafe mocha, and like you get to talk to a person, you get to see us. Yep. And again, this is still from like inside the car. So like going inside <laughs> the cafe is like even better than and it's but it's then you get to like talk to a person and they're nice and you get to be nice and you get whipped cream on your coffee and there's chocolate in it and it also has caffeine in oh, it I so that's like that right. sounds so good right now i know i actually like i, I, I don't mean to go to the cafe often <laughs> right yeah like i, I know i have half a mind to be like all right quick errand before getting to work today <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's like a little adventure and you get like a bit of treasure and you get to meet and talk to like nice people along the way. Yeah. It's just nice. That's really good. It's good. I wish we were all in a cafe right now. Me too. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be super good. One day. One day indeed. <laughs> so Jossie, where can people find you and your work? So I'm on Tumblr, Twitter, Vimeo and Instagram. All my handles are just Jossie Juritz, no spaces or anything. So if you can spell my name, you can find me quite easily. <laughs> um, and then I have a website as well, which is jossiejuritz.com. So basically just Jossie Juritz. There aren't, I don't think there are any others. So it's quite easy to search for me. No, that's so perfect. That's really good. Well, Jossie, it's been super cool talking with you today about everything animation. It's been brilliant. It's been so much fun. And thank you yeah. so much for asking me to talk. It's been really good. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. I feel like I've figured out a few things about myself as well. Oh, yay! Definitely things I want to try. So good reflection. Oh, that's so wonderful. Oh, man. That's super cool. Talking about like women's. <laughs> such, such, such a happy time. That's really cool. <laughs> but for real, sincerely, though, it has just been such a pleasure to talk with you. Your work is a joy and your own excitement about animation and, and story and all of that stuff. It, it shines through. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Oh, thank you. enjoyed Jossie's fearlessness in her experimenting and how she doesn't seem to have any expectations of herself when she's just trying things out and playing. It's like she puts all of that aside and just sees what happens in that moment. Yeah, no, I, I think that's so cool. It seems absolutely freeing and it's inspiring and admirable and I just really just want to give that a go in all honesty. Yeah, throw caution to the wind. Yeah. Just create whatever you want to make and oh. who cares how it turns out. Oh, You'll man. learn something from it. So it's I think true. that's always a good thing to do. Man. And again, if, if seeing Jossie's work as an example, like you get some beautiful results. Mm, yes. Yeah. This was a really lovely interview. Jossie had a lot of uh, fantastic insights today. It was great. Yeah. And there'll be more next month because you can join us next time for part two of Jossie's interview, oh. where we'll jump forward to 2018 and discuss what Jossie's doing right now and look more in depth at the documentaries and PSAs she's been working on this year. We'll also be able to revisit her thoughts on the one most vital thing she believes a DIY animator needs. Mm. So we'll be able to hear 2016 Jossie versus 2018 Jossie. Ooh. Yeah. And again, that'll be out next month on Wednesday, November 21st. Yeah. 
To stay up to date with the DIY animation show, you can find us on a few social media channels. Which exciting announcement! Da, da, da. We're on Instagram! Whoa! Ah, oh, it feels good. If you are also on Instagram, or if you're like, oh, oh man, we want to join Instagram because of you guys, then one, thank you, that is super flattering. And two, <laughs> you can find us and follow us on Instagram at DIYA Show. If you are on Twitter, you'll find us also at DIYA Show. And you can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash DIY Animation Show. Yeah. If you're on SoundCloud, you can subscribe there at soundcloud.com forward slash DIYA show. And of course, there's the website, DIYanimation.show. And don't forget, you can download our episodes to listen offline from both SoundCloud and the website. So you can take them with you wherever you want to go. Well, that's just super awesome and exciting, (laughs) in my opinion. (laughs) Saving that precious data. Yeah, it's important. It's important, man. (laughs) Save it all if you can. If we can help you, we will. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been really lovely to have you with us. And as always, if you'd like to talk about animation, you know, just hit us up here on the site or on social media. We are excited, as always, to hear from you. Yeah. Until next time, follow your heart. And have fun animating. We'll see you in part two. See you then. Bye. The DIY Animation Show is an indie production from your hosts, Jessica Dahl and Lauren Morse. Our theme music was provided by Azure Flux. Subscribe at DIYanimation.show. If you liked this podcast, Maybe you'll enjoy more art and story podcasts from our friends at the Oatly Academy of Visual Storytelling, featuring insights from some of the most inspiring voices in animation, games, biz effects, comics, and children's books. Find them at friendsofdiya.com. We'll see you next time. Bye! <laughs> yeah, I look back on... If I'm just doodling, I definitely... Look back, and I'm, I sometimes I try and draw nostrils that don't look anything like my nostrils, mm-hmm. but they still look a little bit like my nostrils. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe I just think all nostrils look the same. I did go through a stage of that actually, and everyone that I everyone that I saw on the tube, I kept. I'm not obsessed with nostrils, but it might sound <laughs> this way. <laughs> everyone that I saw on the tube, I just thought. Oh my god, they have the same nostrils as me. Oh my god, they have and I just thought everyone had exactly the same nostrils, but then after a while I realized that we we all have two nostrils and they're basically the same structure, so they do kind of look similar, but oh. I really went through a weird stage about nostrils. That's so funny. <laughs> I I hate to derail an yeah, already derailment, but have you ever seen that I think it might be a Tumblr where someone's put the or drawn the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on people's noses. No. And after you've seen that, you can't unsee it on anybody. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, I'm going to definitely look that up. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think the nostrils kind of form like, um, like you know, they kind of have the teeth either side of their grin. Uh-huh. So they kind of got like the beak of their nose comes down, which is like the, is it the septum on the nose? And then the nostrils form like where the teeth would be when they're smiling. It's... <laughs> Amazing. It's hilarious. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
getting back to yeah oh my gosh that's one of the best like tangents we've ever gone on mm-hmm. i think <laughs> I, I agree with it <laughs> oh click that's a wrap Sweet. <laughs> <laughs>